Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Nine Decide podcast, where we chat with super amazing and inspirational people who pounded the pavement before and after their nine to fives to get their side hustles off the ground. After listening to the interviews with these amazing guests, you'll walk away with a refreshed pep in your step and a newfound motivation to make your side hustle a reality. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 12, season two of the Nine Side podcast. If you are listening and you do have kids and it's the winter and you have a need to sign your kids up for camp, you probably are experiencing the same pain that I'm experiencing, which is camp registration, which will blow your mind and potentially break you. Not to mention the fact that registering your kids for summer camp should not be harder than buying a ticket for like a Taylor Swift concert. And I've asked a lot of people. It isn't just like around where I live. It's everywhere. You have to have like a thousand screens open. You have to know the on sale dates and you have to be ready to register like for all of your children with logins, credit card information, everything ready the moment that they open up the on sale for the camp or you lose out on a spot if you don't get it within like 15 minutes. That's no joke. It's literally that's how fast these camps sell out. It is absolutely insane. There has to be a better way. And the fact that I have a podcast where I interview people with side hustles, this is a shout out to anyone who's out there. If you have a side hustle business where you're like a travel agent, only you focus solely on dealing with camp registration in the summer for parents who don't want to deal with it and or are completely incapable of doing it like myself and it causes me to lose like years off my life. I am speaking to you. I want to talk to you because that is a business. That is an area in the market that is untapped. Somebody that can sit with like Bloomberg style computers for the parents or whoever they're working for and just be ready to like log on with agents and book those camp registrations for those YMCAs and get those kids booked for all the eight, nine, 10, 11 weeks of the summer. And the parents that are working can just write a check for the commission or whatever and be done with it. Anyway, so sometimes I find myself around this time thinking like, oh my gosh, I mean, there's a lot of times, not just camp time, but having kids is like incredibly stressful. A lot of it is not fun and causes great pain and, and stress, but overall it's amazing. My next guest, I was so excited to talk to her. Her name is Kristen Dylan Snyder, aka Kiki, which is so cute. I love her nickname that she goes by. It started as a side hustle, but her business is called Coaching with KD, and she coaches women who are going through IVF. And it started out based on her own personal journey and experiences with going through IVF herself. She wanted to be able to share what she learned and those experiences and be able to help women through all the stages of IVF, you know, help them understand what they were going to experience and coach them and be there and support them through all of it. So It's pretty incredible because I think it's a society, a group of people that not everybody has gone through and experienced. And I think it's really hard to understand unless you've gone through it yourself. So to have somebody there who's actually able to understand what you're going through is incredible. I hope you enjoy my episode 12 interview with Kristen Dylan Snyder. Well, hello, I am Kristen Dylan Snyder and it's long 12 letters. So the family nickname is the D12s. 
<laughs> and I am an IVF coach, which means I help women who need IVF to grow their families. And it started as a side hustle. And I'm really happy to say that it's now my full-time hustle. That's great. So is that recently that it's become a full-time? I officially did that in April last year. So it's been about a okay. year. Got it. I want to hear a little bit about you. Give us a little background on where you started in your career and how you got to this place to even come up with this idea for the side hustle and the coaching business. I am from Darien, Connecticut. I am from a big family. And after college, I worked in lived in New York City, which is kind of what most people in our area did. And I worked for a lot of big companies like Travel and Leisure and NBC doing advertising. Working in the South is when I transitioned that advertising role to focus on tourism, which was awesome. And I loved that job. So I worked for the state of South Carolina tourism department, and it was a dream job. So the cool thing was in my professional career, I started on the publisher side working for, like I said, travel and leisure and NBC doing more sales. And then when I was in South Carolina, I was the client, the tourism client doing advertising marketing. And then I went to Alabama and became the advertising as the agency side. While we were in Alabama was when we personally were struggling with infertility and needed IVF to grow our family. And it was really hard. I loved what I did. I was really good at it. And at the same time, it wasn't feeling as fulfilling. And so as soon as I did have my daughter... I'm very happy. I was very lucky to be successful with IVF. It took two rounds, so it was not easy. It was a challenge, which is why I decided to spend my time. If I had to be away from my IVF miracle daughter, I wanted to spend my time doing something that was really helping people in their quality of life. And advertising and tourism is the best way to be working. Once I had my daughter, I went back after maternity leave for a little bit. So what we did was, because also my husband was in the military, we always knew I would move again. So what I love about that job and the agencies, they always said I had an expiration date. They were really willing to be flexible with me. So I reduced my hours and was able to work from home, which was wonderful. That is sort of what started. And then I was home alone with my baby and working a little bit thinking, I have got to be involved in this part of people's lives. I am a big sister and I have spent my whole life telling people sort of how to get through life and make it a little bit easier on them because I learned the hard way so they don't have to. And I felt <laughs> yeah. like the infertility world was the best place for me to help those women who feel more like sisters to me through a challenging time that nobody anticipates having to go through. Nobody chooses to go through infertility. And so I decided to start building something. Just for the people that are not familiar with IVF, because I think the, the word IVF is kind of thrown around a little bit. Can you explain to people the different stages of IVF? Because aren't there different things that you do initially to get to that? Yeah. So for anybody who's listening and not familiar with it, generally one, what you need to know is that you don't need a referral or any special prerequisite to have to go to see a fertility doctor. And they're not going to meet you and be like, hi, let's do IVF. When you go to see a specialist, for anybody who's been trying for a year, or if you're over 35 and you've been trying for six months, or if you have an irregular period, or if you just know that something doesn't feel right, you can go right away and just get tested. That is probably the best thing. It's something I wish in hindsight, everybody knew. 
most people will start with doing medicated cycles just to give you a little oomph. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you will do an IUI, which is when the easiest way to put it is by putting the sperm into like a turkey baster and putting that inside uterine cavity and they let it out. So it helps the swimmers get a little bit closer. Most people will try that a couple of times before they then advance on to IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. And in vitro is an amazing science tool that has helped grow millions of families. The first IVF baby is 41 years old. It is amazing. It changes lives, including mine, but it's not easy. Like you said, it does sound like, oh, you go, you pick the menu and you say, I'll have a baby in March. Great. It's not like that. What ends up happening is there are different stages. So the first part is the stimulation part where they give you lots of medicine. And by they give you, it means actually that you have to jab yourself in the stomach with meds and needles, usually twice a day for about two weeks. It depends on the person and what their protocol is, but that's Mm -hmm. the general sense. And the whole purpose of that is to help you grow as many follicles as you can. Most women grow and release one follicle every month and it rotates on which side, which fallopian tube and which side of your body. But when you're doing an IVF cycle, they actually give you the medicine to grow as many as they can on both sides. So you are bloated. You know, when you think about cramps, women who have cramps and are feeling uncomfortable and bloated with that's with one. Some women are getting up to 40 follicles. Some people are getting, I mean, 60 is big. Now, older women, because of our age, when you're older, you'll have less, but it's still, so it's pretty uncomfortable. That stimulation cycle is the first part. And so they're trying to get as many follicles as they can. And then they take those out and out of those, they tell you how many are mature, which means they can use them. They're the right size. And then they have sperm and whether that's from your husband or from a donor, depending on if you're dealing with male factor infertility, which is actually one third of the cases is male factor. One third is female and one third is both. It is common. So sometimes people are doing, you know, donor sperm or with same sex couples, that would be an option too. So they inseminate the eggs with the sperm and they watch them from five to seven days. There is a natural attrition rate. So somebody who started with 40 might find out that out of those 40, 30 were mature. And then they find out the next day out of those 30, 20 were fertilized they might then find out the next day that, or after three days, that those 20 that were fertilized, it might end up only with like seven. Wow. So that's really challenging. And that's part of the roller coaster ride that is IVF. There's so many steps along the way, and there's so many opportunities for something to go wrong or for you to not hit your goal and to make it hard. Sometimes your body doesn't respond. Sometimes your body releases all the follicles too soon. There's so many steps. So that's the first part. And then you decide to generally now freeze all of those five, day five, day six, or day seven embryos. So they have to have grown enough and done what they're supposed to do. You know, divide. Remember that day in science? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's two cells to four to eight. Keep going. Yeah. So then they freeze them. And then you get prepared to do a frozen transfer, but you usually wait a month. And then you get additional medicines. And this time you're giving yourself a shot in the butt and you do that. And you want to keep doing that shot because if you do that shot and you, and it works, your pregnancy, the transfer of the embryo inside of you works, you end up doing it for 10 weeks. 
So you like end up wanting to do a butt shot <laughs> for 10 weeks. So IVF is not mm-hmm. that easy. And the embryo could not thaw. The embryo could be transferred and it could not stick around. Your lining might not be thick enough in your uterus, or it might not be trilaminar, which is what they want. So they might say that your transfer has been canceled. So again, those are those steps, but there's so many opportunities for something to go wrong. Now, like you said, this is all with one, the pressure of wanting to be a mother. If you are in this stage, you have already been trying and waiting and failing month after month after month, and sometimes for years. Also, it's with the pressure of your friend group and society and watching everybody else have success and every other month announce they're pregnant. And then the third thing is the financial strain. An average round of IVF is fifteen to $20,000 if your insurance isn't covering it. And it's a state-by-state rule and based on your company. So there's most people do not have insurance coverage. When you said round, does that mean considered? So that's a great question. So (laughs) one round would be either it's the IVF round, that retrieval process of getting out all those follicles and eggs. That's like an IVF round. And then the transfers themselves, that process is actually cheaper where it's like two to $7,000 of that that price. So that's a separate additional. Yeah. When that's why I said about 15 to 20. So some people end up getting, like I said, in that example, seven embryos and they might do seven transfers. So their price might go up a little bit higher if it takes that many tries. For my sake, I'll give you just my example. We did one round of IVF. We got four embryos. We transferred one. It did not work. And then we froze the other ones. And then we decided to do another round of IVF because of the retrieval process, because I was older, because when you're older, the likelihood that there's a genetic problem with your embryos is more likely. That's where the ticking time bomb of becoming a mother comes from. If you're 35 and older, the numbers really start to decline on the health of your eggs. And so we did a second round of IVF. So that was like the $15,000. And then we did genetic testing to test out all of our embryos. And we ended up having one that was genetically good. So out of eight embryos, frozen embryos, one was genetically good. And we transferred that one. And that's my IVF miracle daughter. And then I waited six months and then I was like, I'm ready. Let's do it again (laughs) for a sibling. So we did a third round of IVF and we did genetic testing. We had one genetically good one again, and it ended up in a miscarriage. I had one that didn't work. I had one that worked and I had one that ended in a miscarriage. I was made to support women going through this period because it is so hard. And I learned ways over those three times, I learned ways to help make it better and not as hard. And so I was like, this is where I need to be helping people. I need to become the help and support that I wish I had. So is that when you thought about being a life coach, just a regular life coach before IVF had it ever, were you like, I love the travel. I'm going to be in the travel industry forever. That was like your career. Yeah. So I went through this journey while I was working at the advertising agency. And like I said, I we always knew that we were going to be moving again for the military. So the whole long-term plan was planning, which I now laugh at, but <laughs> that plan was to come back to South Carolina and to get back into the tourism industry. Because of that, I connected with my tourism partners. And my dream job was to be, because South Carolina is broken up into 11 tourism regions. I wanted to be wow. running one of those tourism regions. That was like my goal. That was the dream job. That was like, I would do it and retire. I lowered my 
hours at my advertising agency job and I was trying to build up this business. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know it was a coach. I just knew I wanted to be, like I said, involved. I came up with this tool called the two-week wait challenge because the two-week wait is after they transfer the embryo and put it back inside of you, you have to wait two weeks to find out if it worked or not. Oh my gosh. So I the, would go crazy. I would. Well, that's- everybody goes crazy. And so that is the most intense part of the experience. And I was like, I want to help right there. So I came up with a two-week wait challenge, which is a daily source of inspiration and something to keep you busy, somebody to keep you more hopeful and optimistic and positive. And so that was the first thing I did and sold. Let's talk about when you were thinking of this idea. What did you create a website? Did you have a name? What were some of the first steps you took? So, like, I'm just first people who yeah. are listening who are like, have an idea about coaching, you know, in this area of side hustle. Yeah. Okay. So, I started by, I came up with a website name and a business name that I'd been calling it for a long time. So, the blog was called bigsissays.com. I'm not an expert, but I've been there and I get it. And, like, let's help you. Let's help you find the cool ways that maybe the doctor's not going to tell you. Like, this is the way you can do the shot so it hurts less because, like, oh, the nurses yeah. aren't going to tell you that kind of stuff. And so, my website was called Big Sis Says, and I spent so much time trying to make it. And my husband, luckily, is way more patient with technology and more knowledgeable. So, he helped me do it. With the Big Sis Says, were you going out with the intention of trying to, like, did you have the forethought to want to make it a business? Or were you more like, I just want to reach out and connect with women? who've been through what I've been through. Started a little bit in that way, but I knew I wanted to make money. I knew it was a potential to make money, but I was also very, I still am. I'm very sensitive to the fact that most people go through life not saving money for IVF. This is a financial expense that most people just get thrown onto them without even knowing it. And on average, it takes someone three rounds of IVF to get pregnant. You almost have to go in thinking like, I'm ready to throw down $60,000. I just knew I wanted to be in there. Big Sis Says was just the thought I had that I could make something out of it. I just didn't know what it was. And then I made the two-week wait challenge with MailerLite, which is a free email tool. I don't use them now. I created what it was. It was 14 emails. And so you would sign up, you would pay me through PayPal, and then you would sign up and I would put in your start date, which was your transfer date. It was an automation where you got one email every day for 14 days. That was the first product that I had to sell. I had an Instagram audience because I had been documenting my IVF experience. So I had an audience of women. It was a challenge to transition from being, I'm one of you, let's be in the quicksand together to like, I'm now this expert. Oh, and by the way, I'm charging. Right, right. So that was hard. (laughs) So how did you do that? Because that is really smart. How did you make that? shift. Did you use that same Instagram profile? I did use that Instagram profile and I started telling people that I had been thinking about it, that this has been on my heart, that I'm on the other side and that I'm sticking around. The thing with Instagram is there is still, and it's even huge community of women going through infertility who have secondary private accounts. Some people are more open now than they were in 2015, 16, and 17 when I was doing this but they're doing it privately still. And they're able to get support and encouragement from other women, but it misses the mark sometimes for some people. I was one of those people. I became friends with my doctors and my nurses, but I also as the business background, I knew that they had to get through to get to the next patient. I knew they couldn't 
sit and talk with me while I cried my eyes out every time I visited. That is sort of what helps me think about this. I was like, I could help the doctors because they cannot provide that emotional support to their patients, but they want to and they care. But I see that there's this missing space of their level of knowledge, but their lack of time. The support from the people on Instagram is amazing because it's other women. Like we were saying earlier, like knowing other people have been through what you've been through is so comforting and amazing to know you're not like this oddball out. The challenge is it's people on Instagram. You don't really know who they are. They might've just done their last round of IVF, transferred their last embryo, run out of all of their money. It didn't work and they're out and they're like, I'm done with this and moving on. And so your support system might disappear. And so I presented it on the sense like, I'm here to stay. I also have a degree in psychology. I was an EMT in high school. I'm an Enneagram too. I have always been the helper. Like I know I was made for this. And there was some hate at first. And there were some people who challenged that I wasn't certified. So then I did get certified as a life coach once I kind of realized that's what it was that I was doing. Because I was going to ask you like in terms of pricing the model of, of what you're offering, How do you figure out how to price something or roll that out in something that you haven't done before? I followed a ton of life coaches that were more like business, like they help you build a business. So that's who I was following a lot to see and get some guidance from. I did a group coaching program where it was half one coach was a parenting coach and one coach was a business coach. So it was four moms who wanted to grow their business. And so I worked with them and did this group coaching program where I was one of the clients. And that was really helpful. As for pricing, what I did to start out with was I think I charged like $50 a session because it had to be something that I felt like was a no-brainer because I didn't have so much experience as the coach. And then what I did every three clients, I raised my rates. That's a really smart strategy. Like every three people raise your rates. Like whether you thought going through a business coach and investing that money in having that kind of foundation made a big difference for you? Or whether do you feel like from your professional career, you kind of had enough background to figure out how to navigate building this business on your own? I think it's a combination of both. What I have learned now is that the three clients raise your rates, that there's a term for that. And it was building my self-concept. So every time I had three more clients, I was building up my self-concept into the person I thought I could be. And I had evidence to support it. So it felt more comfortable versus being the person who goes out and says, hey, I'm $10,000 for six months. Like that's not even what I charge now. I charge $3,000 for six months. Because again, I'm sensitive to price. I want it to be a no-brainer. I want it to be like women saying, I'm worth that. I need that. And I want them to come through. So that's where I am now. But What I have learned after doing this now for like three years is you can do it all on your own. You weren't working with a business coach at that time. What did you charge for that initially? I think I charged like $25. I mean, it was so cheap. So not smart. Like, do you know how many you would have to sell? Right. And I thought I was like, oh, well, I have an Instagram audience of like 2000 people. Like, and it was like, no. And so I learned like, the people who sell lower price level products, they have huge audiences. And so that's when I realized like I had to do more than just that. The two-week weight challenge was just a piece. I did know that that was sort of my funnel. 
that was like the way to get people in, a way to get them experience of knowing who I am and knowing a little bit of what I talk about. And then what I did was I used it so that the people where the transfer didn't work. So the end of the two-week wait, they got a call from their doctor that said, I'm so sorry. I would reach out to them and say, I'm here for you. I've been there where it didn't work before. Like if you're ready to keep going, like I can help you pick yourself back up and try again. Oh, that's really smart. In terms of clients, how long do people typically stay with you for? What's your typical client kind of life cycle and how much does it really cost to acquire one client, would you say, in advertising and kind of marketing? I don't know how much it costs to acquire because I don't pay for marketing or advertising. I do it all through social media and again, relationships with doctors or referrals. I do know that about half of my clients come from referrals. That has been amazing and awesome. As for the life cycle of my clients, I have had two that have not been pregnant. So like they've gone through coaching with me, they've gone through multiple rounds of IVF and they had not been pregnant. And so then they were deciding to take a break and stop and figure out what they were doing. And so we stopped coaching at that point. Everybody else that I have worked with, and I've worked with almost 40 people have been successful. Some people it's, I would say on average, most people have success within the six-month coaching program, but then what they do is they sign on with me because they might get pregnant like right at the end, like their fifth month. And then they're like, oh my gosh, but I'm so nervous. It's the first trimester. Like I've gotten to know you. I know wow. I need your help through the pregnancy. So then they'll sign on again through the pregnancy. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you offer other things? So if people like they get pregnant, then what's like the typical kind of life cycle of a relationship that you have with someone? I think it's a little bit personal. Like one of my clients, there is a woman I know who does coaching and she just does coaching for pregnancy after infertility. Like that is her niche. Wow. So for the person who says to me, like, I don't really want to keep paying for coaching, but I would like some support. I'm going to refer them to her because she has like a program, like a group program, which is amazing. But I try to teach my clients skills that they can use through the pregnancy, through the birth, through the fourth trimester and parenthood so that they don't need me forever. I mean, I totally cry when we're done because I end up loving everybody I work with. And I'm just so happy that they reached the goal of becoming pregnant. But as their life coach, it's not my job to get them pregnant. Like I actually don't feel like that is the success metric for me with working with them. I'm there more about the emotional side. I am there helping them feel like they are good no matter what happens with this next transfer. That to me is success. I would definitely want somebody like you if I was going through an experience like that because navigating all of that is like such a unique, very emotional experience. So to have somebody like you would be so helpful. In terms of your plant, the main core of your business is coaching. Is that correct? Yeah. So all I'm doing now is one-on-one coaching with women. So it's the six-month package. The two-week weight challenge, I decide to make free. So I don't charge for that anymore. It's more of a a way to get people into my funnel. I you know, promote that on Pinterest. I promote that on Instagram and it gets people on my email list. And then I'm really helping them in that moment. And so a lot of those people who go through the two-week weight challenge end up getting pregnant. And I'm like, heck yeah, woo! <laughs> congrats. Keep doing the things I taught you over the last two weeks and keep those up. 
And is that, like you said, is that don't do any money on marketing or advertising. You do all of your promotion stuff. Does that, do you feel like that helps you get follower by creating more content on Instagram too? Yes. I do organic marketing, which is mostly where I come from. It's about serving first. It's about adding value first. And I really believe that when you do that, it comes back later at another point in time. The content that you do, I've heard from a lot of people who do coaching in other businesses, you know, continuously putting that stuff out there and getting organic traffic is really valuable. But also, I think your strategy of the relationship with the doctors is so smart as well. So how do you keep that up? When I think of my old sales jobs in New York City, then (laughs) yes, that is the ideal. When I recognize that COVID has happened for the past two years and whining and dining or even walking into a doctor's offices without being the patient or having an appointment was really sort of faux pod. Also, I didn't want to be anywhere I didn't need to be. I had a child who couldn't get vaccinated, all of that. It has not been something I've done. It's all been digital. So it's all been building relationships over on Instagram by promoting their stuff, talking about what the good that they're doing. Unfortunately, it's a big deal. I've been reaching out to my doctor friends being like, I am here. I'm thinking about you because I know how it impacts them too, as the human, as the doctor who that's their job every day. They got into this business not to potentially like go to jail or lose their license because of doing something that's politically related. Like that's not what they ever thought. One thing I did do over COVID was I started doing monthly workshops where I invited a doctor to join me and we would do a Zoom call. And I would invite anybody on Instagram who wanted to, it was totally open and totally free to come. And we would talk about one thing related to IVF and they would talk about their medical side. And then I would talk about the emotional side. And then after it was a support group. And so that was a great way for me to meet new doctors because one doctor would then refer to me to the other one. Recently just started doing webinars again for myself as a free thing, again, to add more service and value to the community of women who are going through infertility. And so I think every once in a while, I'm going to bring in doctors again. That's a really smart way to do it. And I was going to ask, just going back in terms of your coaching model, when you start out with someone coaching them, is there a structure that you've come up with, like your own signature kind of coaching plan or or schedule based on like where they're at in the infertility? What's your model like for the coaching? Well, so before I got certified, I didn't really know. And the certification process is what helps me learn that like coaching when you get the certification is about being the person who partners with the client to help them come up with the answers that they have inside themselves. Most people though, think of a coach like in sports where they are the expert, where they know what they're doing. They're going to tell you the better thing to do. But in the coaching world, that's actually called a consultant. (laughs) So my style has always been a little bit of coach salting. The coach salting, I didn't come up with that one, but that's more my style. So most of the sessions are coaching. It's me asking questions and helping get things out of my clients. I do more of the teaching training expert stuff in like recorded videos, or we might take one of our sessions and say, okay, we're going to do a little, I'm going to teach you about this thing. I don't have like a, this is week one, week two, week three. I know some coaches who have that sort of protocol. I actually follow where they're at because most women start with me at different stages of the IVF journey. And that's like, I keep saying that the best time to start is before you do your egg retrieval. Yeah. The second best time is today. 
because some people are past that stage. So they're starting all different stages. So I don't have like a week one, week two, week three. I end up doing three things though. And so I just call it the IVF warrior process. And so the first thing is to put yourself first. So we focus on building really good habits to put themselves first. They're taking care of themselves because when you do that, you're able to handle the ups and downs, the stops, the starts, the waiting, and the pressure so much better. The second thing is we plan for the bumps in the road. We plan for the roller coaster and we build a toolkit for them to be able to handle those hard days because you know you're going to have a hard day no matter what situation you're in. So it's not even just for IVF, it's for anything that's going on. And the third thing is just building up their confidence in themselves. So that's really what I take the women through. So I just finished up her 200K program, which was game changing. (laughs) Wow. Game changing. If anybody is a brand new coach, listen to her podcast, Make Money as a Life Coach. It will change your life. Her program is called 2K for 2K. And that's a great place to start. That's where I built up a lot of my own belief in myself as a coach and understanding how to handle consults, how to talk to people about coaching. So that was a big game changer for me. In terms of any kind of like major obstacles, was there one major thing you can remember that was a huge upset in your business that was like kind of a setback you had to overcome? The biggest challenge has been me. (laughs) I got in my own way more often than not. My lack of confidence in myself and what I was doing and almost even being a people pleaser. So part of, I didn't get to share this, but when we moved back to South Carolina, I was approached by one of those tourism regions and asked to run the region. And so that was, so I was doing the advertising job and then I was doing that part-time while building and then COVID happened. Externally, I think I told you, but there was somebody who didn't like that I was going to charge for coaching because on Instagram, it is a community of women who are going through infertility, helping each other. There's a huge community of it. You can get so much free support and help. But it's a, like I said, it's a lot of people in the pool with you and it's all people in the same stage. So they're not advanced, like they're not past that point necessarily. And I couldn't keep doing it at the level I knew that would really help and change lives if I was doing it for free just at night when I got on social media. What I learned through that experience is that one, you're never going to please everybody. <laughs> That's such good. I was going to ask you what your advice kind of in wrapping up just getting out of your own way, like you said, and showing up and putting yourself out there. I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, I've heard from, you know, talking to people who are doing side hustles, like half the battle and some of the biggest steps is just doing it. I don't want to get too in the the weeds about it, but it is such a timely topic. And I can't imagine how anxious and the kind of conversations I would assume that there's a lot of conversations that have changed immensely in, in your client base, or maybe you, have you received more clients just given like the decisions that have been made with people who are anxious on top of already being anxious about the process? Yeah. I have not necessarily gotten more clients because of the ruling. I think that there, it's a lot of wait and see right now. Yeah. And like most clinics are able to work as normal, but they're, I think they're on eggshells on like, when are they going to get the phone call that they have to stop? And just like with COVID, there were women who were right when the world shut down in March, like they were in the middle of giving themselves, they've been giving themselves injections for 12 days. They were supposed to have their egg retrieval and then they had to cancel it. 
Just out of curiosity, if you do work for a company that covers IVF, what is a good plan cover for IVF? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was going to say before you said the good part that it totally (laughs) varies. Some will be like, we cover and they'll be like, you get $7,000 lifetime. So that's not enough. Right. The best case scenarios will do unlimited IVF rounds. Best case. Like that is like, wow, the bee's knees. It's clearly also very expensive. So I understand that not every company can do that. What I have seen, which I think is awesome, is like covering two or three rounds. And also some states mandate it. So like New Jersey is pretty good, Massachusetts. You could be in a state, but work for a company. So like you have to double check your situation, or you could work for a company that covers it, but live in a state that doesn't. So like you do have to double check. You sound like you're so good at what you do, just giving (laughs) advice and being able to guide people through that period in their life is really important. Well, thank you. That's so nice. I mean, I'm definitely not giving the medical advice. My advice is like, take a few deep breaths, remind me what you're good at. (laughs) I don't think people (laughs) need the medical. There's so much medical. I don't even think it's that. I think it's so so hard with everything else that's going. What do you see as the next chapter for your business? Do you want to expand your coaching beyond just IVF? What do you see for yourself in the next couple of years growing the business? So my heart is totally in the infertility. I definitely want to stay in this as long as I can. I do see a lot of women who do transition that way themselves, who have been fertility coaches and then eventually do it. For my future with the business, what I see doing next is I want to do a program where you pay once and you're a member forever for life because you might be doing this. You might need a break. You might come back for round two for a sibling cycle. And I want to be able to provide the help and not have money really be a barrier. So I want it to be like something you pay once, you're in it forever, you come and join when you need it, when you feel it, when you're taking a break or time off or pregnant and having your kid, you can step away. So that is one area so that people can have more access to. I would love to get more involved with doctor's offices. Again, where like, I would love it if a clinic was like part of your package is you get access to this program through Kristen because they believe in it so much. They see it like that's where I would love to see it go next, where it's almost like a done deal. And the doctor's like, no, 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 you have to do this. Just like you have to have a genetic counseling meeting before you sign the paperwork. Like, yes, you need to do this. Now, some IVF clinics have a therapist on staff. So there are some that recognize the importance of the mental, emotional connection and help. But yeah, I would like to see that happen in the future. I think that's great. I mean, I, and then public I, speaking, I will talk to anybody who will listen about how to be the good friend to somebody who's going through a hard time. Well, I'm so happy for you and all your success. And I can't thank, thank you. you enough again for coming on. So just in last in closing, tell us where everybody can find you, the name of your business and where we can find you online. The best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm active on there. I'm posting every day doing stories and it's my name, which is Kristen Dylan Snyder. So you can put that in the show notes so that nobody (laughs) has to try and spell it. Um, My website is called coaching with KD, my initials. And I do have a blog. I do workshops. I even have a blog about how to support your friend or family member who's going through it and gift ideas. So that if anybody's listening and knows somebody like that is my way of helping another IVF warrior get the support she needs. It's just by the people in her actual circle. That's amazing. Great. Find me on Instagram and come say hi. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Well, it was great having you on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 